Is that me? Good morning, Grace. It's good to see everybody, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful day outside. It's going to be even better inside. For those of you that are visiting with us, we're uh, thankful that you're here with us. Hope that you'll uh, join in our service with us to the Lord today, and uh, we're excited to be here. My name's Alan. It's my wife, Rachel uh, Lovell. We're here today to kind of open up service to share with you just a couple of quick words about uh, the missions um, and the missions team and some of the places that are going to be uh, happening in the future. Uh, We're going to be heading up or leading a team to Paris, France. And so I was asked a moment ago that in order to um, discuss these types of situations, you had to speak in the native tongue. And I reminded them that my wife severely... uh, gave me an ultimatum not to do so. So uh, we'll not be doing that today, but uh, we're going to be visiting uh, the missionaries just outside of Paris, France. They live in uh, Valdampierre, France, Brandon and Michelle Birch. They have four children, and um, they have been uh, missionaries there uh, for quite a while. They purchased uh, uh, some land um, that used to be an old button factory back in the war, made buttons and uh, things uh, for the coats and for the the armies and things of that nature. And so they have a couple of uh, different buildings. They're in the process of being renovated. But with that being said, one of the needs that they mentioned that they have was to start and to develop um, a community center or a place for children to be active uh, after school activities, sports activities, and things where they could assist uh, in that area. Apparently there's not uh, a lot of, um, I guess, government-related community centers there that are open, but they want to make that opportunity for children, and part of which is to start a sports camp. And so um, somehow, I have no idea why, uh, we were uh, contacted probably because of Papa Nick, and um, who I affectionately call. And thank you, by the way, church, for your prayers for them. He's still in Houston and recovering, still has a road to go, but we're extremely thankful. And um, so um, for the past, uh, coming up 15 years, um, we have had a sports camp, a basketball camp primarily, in this area. And um, so we're going to do our best to go over and teach what we do. Uh, The idea is to not just have it for the children, but in hopes that there'll be, uh, along with the Birches, um, uh, a person or two, maybe more, who also want to learn how to conduct it on their own and to grow that from there. And that's that's the goal. And so uh, it's not about the sports camp, what we do. It's about the concept of spreading the word, the gospel, sharing that love with others. Some of you uh, here, are there any here who've attended it here? some of them have. Where are they? Stand up for me, Silas. Silas, where's Comeback Kenny? There's Comeback Kenny over there. Uh, there's some others that have been able to come. There you go, Nick. There you go, Nick. And so um, we hope um, that it will be beneficial. We certainly ask for three things. One, your prayers, always. Two, uh, for if you'd like to give or support for that mission and for those that will be attending. Three, to serve. And that's where we're kind of here to encourage. If you have a a heart for that or a thought for that or would like to learn that or be a part of that. We'd like for you to come go with us. And um, they're going to let me go. They'll let you go. And so um, uh, we're going to have a, a great time regardless, but um, it, it humbles me uh, to think where the seeds were planted for this 15 years ago. Uh, 
um, and how that how that has developed uh, through a difficult uh, time in my life. But yet, for the glory of God, that's the reason that that we're going. And so, we invite your prayers and solicit that on this trip. Um, if you have a heart for that and would like to learn that, even locally, uh, we will have that opportunity uh, at the end of June this year, locally. We'll, we'll continue to do that camp as well. If you'd like to learn, come see us. Uh, there'll be a place for you if you'd like to learn and to share or just see how that goes. If you'd like to go with us to Paris, uh, we'd love for you to come and to be a part of that or to learn more about it. And so uh, probably the person to ask the most is my beautiful bride, uh, Rachel, who's been uh, more than my right arm on this whole endeavor. But, um, in fact, she was the uh, needle and encouragement for me to stretch far beyond where I wanted to stretch. And so um, pray for us in that. Pray for her, really, because she has to live with me every day. But um, anyway, um, did I leave out something? No. No, No. Dave's next. Dave's next. Yeah, I was told to be quiet. Okay, here we go. Well, I got to start by saying you really need to talk to my beautiful bride, but she's not here. She's in Nashville, so uh, I get the pleasure of speaking a little bit about our trip to Uganda uh, coming up. Um, it, it's not, I think the first time I looked at missions, I thought of you got to be perfect at evangelism or you got to be perfect because this is the one thing you go for. And the thing that we've discovered is in Uganda, there's not one thing you're going to do. So can you do this? Okay. That's going to be some paint. Okay. Um, Bible studies, uh, kids camps, playing with the kids, having fun. There's a few projects around. So there's going to be multiple things. Visiting the community. Um, Each trip, try to get out and visit and take some food and supplies out to a lot of the community and share in that way. So there's so many things to do that there's not one particular thing that's you got to have this skill. Uh, so if you can do things like that, you can, you can serve. Uh, there will be some, some medical camps that she's trying to arrange also. Uh, I am not a nurse or a doctor, but was able to sit and triage or just gather information. So uh, there's, there's always something to do. Um, and the exciting part about this trip, um, we are 95% narrowed down on the dates Uh, end of August into the 1st of September. Depending on flight costs and things, we're narrowing it down. It was between that and July, so just a little difference, but uh, nearly narrowed down on all of the dates, and we'll have that very soon. Uh, But wanted to encourage all of you, if you have the opportunity uh, to go, it's a wonderful experience. Uh, Where we stay is right at the base of the Nile River. So where the Nile River starts, there's a sign that says, the Nile River starts here. Uh, and even an occasion to get out on the river uh, while we're there. So anyway, I want to encourage all of you, and uh, if you feel led to serve in that way in a very uh, multi-talent area, (laughs) certainly reach out to us. We'd love to have you come along. Thank you.
Savior, our God and King. We have the assurance of knowing that Jesus is Lord. And if you're here today and you have Jesus as Lord of your life, then you can be assured of that, that that's the way it's always going to be. I want us all to stand and let's sing on, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine.
sing together. Praise the Lord, His mercy is Father, we do come before you. We have experienced your mercy, your grace, your goodness, your forgiveness, your discipline, all of it. As we've been told in the scripture, the most important part and part of our message as we live our lives and as we go on mission trips, the important part is that Jesus 
died for our sins according to the scriptures. Paid them for us. And he was buried. And he rose again according to scriptures again to prove that he had defeated sin and death. I pray, Father, that each of us will take this witness, this testimony, out with us each day as we go, looking for opportunities that you provide to tell others of the love of Jesus, the forgiveness, the salvation from the wrath of God against sin because of him and his love for us. We thank you, Father. We pray for the service to come, that you continue to be honored and worshiped, and that your word will be used by your spirit to work in our hearts and our minds to change us, to conform us to the image of Christ. We want to follow him in our daily walk. We thank you for that in his name. Amen. Sings fall on me. 
to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. I surrender. Tremendous, David. Thank you so much. It was Pastor Appreciation Month, and one of the um, one of the ushers uh, walked up to a pastor who had been at the church for several months, and he said to the congregation, "We typically appreciate our pastor in the month of October, and so we're going to pass the pastor's hat around." And you can show your appreciation. So they passed the hat around and it made it back up to the pastor. And when the usher handed the pastor the hat, the pastor looked inside and there was nothing in it. He turned it over to show the congregation and kind of shook the hat to show them what had transpired. And then he raised his hands with his hat. And he said, Father, I thank you for this congregation that gave me my hat back. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) Uh, I read some hilarious stories, some I cannot share with you. (laughs) But anyway. All right, if you'll take your Bibles and go to 1 John. Let's try to get through three verses today. We'll actually close out. Um, our section in chapter 3 next week. I don't know if you've noticed, we're making progress. And so um, if you haven't noticed that, well then, shame on you. You should, because I've actually covered three and four and five verses at a time. And I know what happened. You got home and you all discussed it and said, I cannot believe this man made it through three or four verses today. But um, we are making it, and we're in a section on love, and that's such an easy section to discuss because we all have the habit of loving one another, don't we? I thought it would be beneficial for you to have um, just kind of a little bit of a review. In the top part of your handout, you'll see that there is a little section on what we should do and then what we should not be about, and the two central terms there are love and hate. Um, It's hard to fathom that brothers can hate brothers until it happens. And it does happen, and sometimes we have to deal with that in our own life. And um, just like love is a volitional choice, so is hate. And it's different to hate something versus hating someone. Um, I hate abortion. I hate the thought of abortion. But I don't hate the people that pick it for abortion. I pray for those people, right? Because they need Christ, maybe. 
in their lives. And so I think it's important to differentiate those things. And so I wanted to make sure you had that, and you can just read that later for your perusing as you eat lunch and whatever that's going to encompass today, whether it be Milo's or whatever. I love Milo's. You just can't beat their hamburger. Um, I wanted to focus this morning on the demonstration of agape love as it appears in verses 16 through 18. As you see the outline there in front of you, we've talked about the declaration of agape love, that we are to love one another. That is, um, along with so many one another passages in the Bible, that we uh, need to be mindful of. Uh, Gene Getz has a great little book on um, the one another passages. It's important that we understand uh, the one another passages so that when we are with the body of Christ, we understand how we should behave. Does that make sense? That we're not coming in to church looking at it like, well, it's 1030, and if that will knock it out about 1145, we can make it to the nearest restaurant. And uh, I've only had to spend an hour 15 at church. That's not too bad. And if I came to Sunday school, it's maybe a little over two hours. But there, it's incumbent on us as the church, those who belong to Christ, to think through the uh, one another passages so that we're prepared to be here on a Sunday. Does that make sense? So there's preparation that's involved. It's not just why, hey, Thad, I know all the one another passages. Well, that's great and wonderful. But we need to apply those things. And the greatest opportunity we have, or one of them at least, is to exercise that on a Sunday morning when we are with one another. And so, as we come to 1 John, we see John uh, discusses the issue of loving one another. And he does so on uh, several occasions. In fact, you're going to come to chapter 4 and we're going to see together that he spends 14 verses talking about this issue of love. And if you're like, hold on a second, I already thought he addressed that stuff. Well, he addresses it over again, and it could be, it just could be, that they needed to hear it more than just once in the letter. And it could be that we need to hear it more than just once ourselves. So, this morning we go from the description of agape love to the demonstration of agape love. And I wanted us to um, consider, first of all, a quote that I have from Billy Graham. He's one of my heroes. I, I just really appreciated his ministry, his faithfulness to the gospel. Um, I don't know if you know this about him, but probably many of you do, that when you know, he traveled on the road, he would always have another man with him um, just to protect himself. Some might look at that and go, well, why in the world would he do that? That's called wisdom. And so we thank the Lord for men like that that have the wisdom to see through uh, difficult circumstances at times, things that uh, we can be tempted in. So he writes this about agape love. Agape love is selfless love. The love God wants us to demonstrate isn't an emotion, and that's the way our culture presents love. It's all about emotion. I, I feel good about you today, so I love you, but I might not feel as good about you tomorrow. And if I don't feel as good about you tomorrow, well, I don't love you. Um, aren't you glad marriage is not like that? At least it shouldn't be like that. Um, 
he goes on to write, he says, um, the love God wants us to demonstrate isn't an emotion, but a conscious act of the will. It's a deliberate decision, as he says, on our part to put others ahead of ourselves. This is the kind of love God has for us. How many of you would readily agree this is easy to do? It's not easy to do. It's very difficult to do. In fact, I would say this. Without the Spirit of God's help, it's not going to happen. So every day we have to ask the Spirit of God to help us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the context of 1 John. It's about loving our brothers and our sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as Billy Graham wrote, it's a deliberate decision. It's, it's part of my routine of my day. I get up and say, Lord, I, I need your spirit to guide me and lead me. And I need you, by your spirit, to help me love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Does that make sense? That's what we should do. We should not hate our brothers or our sisters in Christ. Now, I want us to look at what we have before us. This is part three, what about love? And we want to consider verse 16. The greatest demonstration of agape love is Jesus Christ. Okay? Look at what. John writes here in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Notice what he says. You have an outline. You can look. I don't have all that on my PowerPoint. That's needless. You can have it right in front of you. Um, Verse 16 says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. Let's stop right there. So John says, we, notice that pronoun, That's plural. (laughs) So at least it's John and likely the apostles and likely these believers. We know love by this. Now that word know is a critical word. It's the word gnosko. And it means to know by experience. Okay? And it's in the perfect tense, which might not be even impressive to you, but this is what it means. And this is what it would have meant to that audience. This is where it's important. He's saying to his audience, we knew agape love in the past, and we still know it. We still know it, okay? We knew in the past this love of the Lord Jesus, and we still know it. That's true for you if you're in Christ. You knew it in the past, and you know it today. You know the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't you? When did you first come to know that? Salvation. Okay? At salvation, and it continues. It's not something that that stops. John says to his audience, hey, look, you knew it in the past, and you still know it. Okay? And you know it in this way. He says, we know love by this. By what? That he, Christ, laid down his life for us. Now, that word laid down is is a critical term because the idea of the word is it's an intentional action and it's a voluntary action. Jesus Christ voluntarily gave himself up for us. I was thinking through that this week that we can not think about that enough. 
We cannot think about Jesus Christ laying down his life for us enough. We typically reserve that, most Christians do, to a communion service. What an atrocity. We need to think, don't we, in terms of Jesus Christ laying down his life for us daily. You know, it's a good practice or routine to say, Lord, thank you for my salvation today. Thank you for your willingness to die for my sins, to pay it all, as Eddie Bradley said in his prayer. Anything wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. Anything wrong with repeating that tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day? Lord Jesus, thank you for laying down your life for me. Well, that's what that little phrase is talking about. He laid down his life. He voluntarily gave it up for us. Now, if you go back in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. The Gospel of John, chapter 10. And what you're going to find is, when you're studying 1 John, you're going to go back to the Gospel of John on numerous occasions, all right? That's going to happen to you. If it's not, it probably should. Isn't it interesting that in 1 John 3.16, John, the, the subject being discussed is love. And we think about John 3.16 and what's the subject? Love. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was interesting. <laughs> anyway. In John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, the Lord Jesus says this. For this reason, the Father loves me. Notice this next phrase. Because I laid down my life so that I may take it again. No one, verse 18, has taken it away from me. But I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my father. He voluntarily laid down his life for us. I wonder how many times the apostles thought of that as they were sharing the gospel as we have it recorded in the book of Acts. You know, one of the greatest motivations for sharing the gospel is understanding what Christ did. You you can get in a circle in a room full of 30 people who are Christians who are born again, and you can talk about how you're saved all day long. But what do we do with the salvation that we have? That's the question. Do we hold on to it and say, hey, I got this great salvation? Or do we take that great salvation we have, understanding what Jesus did for us, and say, you know what? I want to pass this on. So, Lord, help me tomorrow that you might lead me to that person so I can pass on this wonderful truth about how you laid down your life for me. Well, when we think about verse 16, we need to think about sacrifice, okay? Because it tells us in verse 16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. Now, notice the second part of the verse. 
We know you talk about a sacrifice in the past as it relates to Christ. And that's good to do. And it's good to be reminded of. But John, you just could have left out this last part. Especially when you come to understand the terminology. He says, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, Jesus Christ, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You need to circle that word ought. How many of you would have just left that out? What in the world does that mean? I mean, right, your parents walk around the house and say, you guys ought to pick up this, and you guys ought to do that. And we, we use that word, and it's like, what in the world does that mean? Well, John uses that word ought there, and there's two things about it that you need to go. The way he uses that term, it ought to be something that is going on all the time. You like that? Mm. Okay. That word ought refers to something that must happen or should happen. The term expresses obligation. How do you like that so far? Do you like it? Not getting any response. Do you see what John's doing? Jesus voluntarily laid down his life for us. We, notice John, he put we, right? He didn't say, hey, you. He said, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's what we ought to do. And it ought to be something that we're willing to do on a regular basis. You say, well, that, that I mean, okay, if you use the illustration, then you're, you're talking about giving up your own life. Yeah, that's what we're talking about, and that's what John's talking about. And maybe in the first century, that made a little more sense, right? Maybe. Today, it's like, well, I don't know if I'd die for my brother in Christ. I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, how many of you thought about it? Have you thought about that? And push comes to shove, would you do that? And why in the world would the Lord want me to sacrifice my life? Those are all good questions. But obviously, based on what John writes here, he has the expectation that the mind of the believers that he's writing to would be this. I am willing to lay down my life for my brothers every day. However that may look. I like what Oswald Chambers says about this. It kind of puts a little bit of making sense to it. He says, it is much easier to die. Now you got to think about this. Than to lay down your life day in and day out. With the sense of the high calling of God. You agree with that? You agree with that? How many of you agree with that? 
How many of you don't agree with that? How many of you aren't sure? It's okay not to be sure. When we think about death, man, that's just like one and done. When you think about day in and day out, that's over and over and over and over. That I'm putting, at least, I'm putting my brother and sister in Christ first. We'll just go with that. Then instead of tomorrow being about Thad first, it's about my brothers and sisters in Christ first. Is that okay? For here, like, yeah, that's okay. I think this illustration really just hits home of what agape love looks like in sacrifice. I read the story, and I read it three or four times. It just so moved me. It was a winter day. It was 1943. Now, that's right in the middle of World War II. Right at the heart of it, there was um, four chaplains on this ship, the SS Dorchester. There were 903 soldiers. One of the chaplains was Lieutenant George Fox. He was an alumnus from Moody. They boarded the ship. They were sailing across the icy North Atlantic when it was struck by a German torpedo to which the soldiers pretty much in unison expressed, she's going down, she's going down. One of the young GIs came up to Lieutenant George Fox and said, I've lost my life jacket. And the chaplain reached down to pick up his own life jacket and gave it to the GI. Before the ship sank, all four chaplains had given their life jacket to another man. What would you call that? The ultimate sacrifice. You say, well, that can't be what John's talking about. I think that's what John's talking about. There's a willingness there. I read that, I thought, man, that, that's like in the moment. You're having to make those decisions. Well... John talks about sacrifice in verse 16. That agape love is sacrifice. That's what it is. But when you get to verse 17 and 18, he talks about action. So we need to think of agape love in terms of sacrifice. And that's what John wanted his audience to do in verse 16. He deals with that. In verse 17 and 18, he deals with agape love and he focuses in on action. And that's what that particular illustration does. It illustrates action. They just didn't hold on to their life jackets. They gave them away. Well, I want us to read verses 17 and 18. There's a lot here to consider in this action. 
Look what John says. But whoever has the world's goods. Now let's stop there for just a second. What are the world's goods? The, the term in the original language for goods is resources. This is a very practical, practical section. Whoever has the world's resources and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. All right, well, let's try to understand this better. John says, verse 17, but whoever has the world's goods, the world's resources. I was reminded of how rich I am several years ago. We lived in Grayson Valley for 25 years. That's a long time. If I could have moved my house to another place, I think I would have. We loved our home. But I remember sitting down in the basement one time and um, speaking with my oldest son. I said, hey, son, um, I'm hoping we can get out of here and move. And, you know, I'd really like to have a bigger place for you guys, something you could enjoy. Because my two, my oldest son and my middle son lived down in the basement. You could have called it the dungeon. That's really kind of what it was. And I remember speaking with him, and I remember this conversation vividly. I said, you know, I, I, I wish that we could just do that. You know, that Dad could do that. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, we are so wealthy. You ever had that happen when your children remind you of something so simple? Well, he was a older teenager I think at the time maybe even in his early 20's when he said that and I sat there and I thought man Lord I'm sorry for not being grateful because listen we have a lot don't we the resources are almost endless for us well John's writing to his audience, and he says, Whoever has the world's resources and sees his brother in need. Now, there's some important stuff going on here. That word sees is a really important term. It does not mean that you look over and you're merely glancing at someone. That's not the meaning of the word. It means this. It means to intentionally look at someone. In other words, you need to think of it this way. Here's Phil Hansen up front, Phil. And I'm intentionally focused in on him. That's the idea. It's not that I'm just walking by and, oh, there's Phil. No, it's, there's Phil. It adds a lot more meat to the text. It makes you have to think about it a good bit more than maybe you're comfortable with or I'm comfortable with. So he says, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need. Now, 
his brother means that he is a what? Brother. Okay? So, it's this right here. I see Phil Hansen. I intentionally am looking at what's going on in his life. And he has a need. And I have the resources to meet that need. Well, then you just meet the need, right? That's what you do. Notice what John says. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother. By the way, that word his there is singular. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? When I was studying, I was like, man, Lord, when you want to make a point, it's just right there. So it's not looking at the front row, but it's me as a brother seeing Phil Hansen and intentionally seeing what's going on in his life and going, he's got a need. I see that. But notice what he says. And sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him. That never happens. You ever experienced that? Just have to ask that question. Where you've intentionally seen a need, and we're not just talking about physical needs here, okay? Spiritual needs. That's what I believe the overarching issue is, although in context, it can be obviously the wealth that we have that meets a need. But there are spiritual needs in the lives of people. And so John is saying here, he closes his heart against him. Is that as bad as it sounds? Yeah, it is. Do you know what the picture is in the original language? It's this. I see my brother in need. I see what's going on in his life. And I take a door and I slam it. That's the picture. Done with that. Out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> Sounds awful, doesn't it? I'm just like, man, that's, this is some powerful stuff that John's talking about. So he sees a brother in need and closes his heart against him. And then John poses the question, how does the love of God abide in him? How does it? How does the love of God abide in that person? Well, there are two views. Can you believe that? Two views of this question. There are some that view this verse as a relational verse. That John's pointing out that if there's not love being demonstrated, that that person who's not demonstrating love is not truly a genuine believer. Or the other viewpoint is the fellowship viewpoint in which uh, John is saying that the one who sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, then he's not in fellowship with the Lord. So 
So he's not abiding in the Lord, and so he's not in a position to meet the need that the brother has. That's my viewpoint. Um, and as you know, through reading through First John, there's two primary viewpoints, and that's what they are. So you'll just have to wrestle with that yourself. I get so into it, I forget I give you notes. I'm sorry. Let me back up. Did I give you that? Okay, well, good. All right. So the question becomes for us, are there any examples of this? You know, John writes about it. Is it possible that brothers and sisters could close their heart to a need of another brother or sister? Take your Bibles and go back to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. We come to verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 11. And it's in the context of the agape feast. What was the agape feast for the church? It was a love feast. Okay? And the church got together and they ate together and they celebrated together. They celebrated around the person of Jesus Christ. And part of that celebration was eating together and then focusing in on what Christ had done for them on the cross. Well, Paul, in writing to them in verse 17, now it's important to know that these are believers. Okay? These are believers. In fact, he calls them in chapter 3 infants in Christ. They weren't where they should have been. And all you have to do is read through the letter and then you could see they weren't where they should be. So when you come to verse 17 of chapter 11, Paul says this, But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you. Well, if you're listening to that letter being read, you've already not liked the first part of it. And are you really listening at this point? He says, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. It's almost like Paul's like, why are you getting together? What's the benefit? He says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you. Oh, yeah, they did. You go back to the first part of the book. Some said, I'm of Paul. I'm of Peter. I'm of Apollos. Paul's like, is Christ divided? Well, no, he's not. By the way, that goes on today. Be careful who you follow. Can I say that? I'll say it again. Be careful who you follow. If you have a little gray hair, you probably have come to the point in your life where you've said, you know what, following man doesn't always turn out so well. Well, I think Paul's point is, hey, Christ didn't divide it, follow him. Let's look to Christ as the author of Hebrews says, who is the author and finisher of our what? 
faith. Now, having said that, you need to be discerning and I need to be discerning on who I listen to and who I watch. Yeah, I do. All right, so he says, I hear there's divisions that exist among you and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you so that those who are approved may, be, may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Hold on a second. I thought that's what they were getting together for. They're having a feast and they're getting together and celebrating um, this love feast around the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul writes. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper, what? First. One is hungry and another is drunk. Now these are believers coming together. Yes? Get the context. These are believers coming together to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ at a feast that was called the Agape Feast. And from what I can make out just in reading, there's selfishness and drunkenness. Am I missing it or do you see it? There's selfishness and drunkenness among Christians. Well, so when I look at that little phrase, close the heart. There were some in that congregation that were closing their heart. That should never be said of us. Can I just have some real time with you? Can I do that? In evaluating my Christian life this past week, as it came to the subject, it was rough to do. Do you know that agape love, it's nice to say that word. People like to even say it, agape love, agape love. It's like, okay, well, when we come to understand its meaning, we come to understand how critical it is, not only that we would remember what Jesus did, but that we would follow in his footsteps. So I began to think about the landscape of my Christian life. All of the people that I've been associated with who have professed Christ. Some were easier to love than others. Would you say that's probably true in your life as well? As you assess the last... I had to go back a long way. And you know who I thought of more? Not the ones that were easy to love... But the ones that I might have shut the door on. There's a lady in the church in New York. Her name was Ida Swinson. Ida, if you're watching, hello. We're good now, but she doesn't mind me saying that. I was given a Bible study in New York when I first went up. And you know what the Bible study was? First John. She wanted me to do it a certain way. I wanted, it, I wanted to do it a certain way. It always seemed like that Ida and I were like this. I didn't know if that was just because I was in the north or not. But here's the reality of it. We were like that. 
One of the hardest things that I've ever had to do as a Christian is evaluate my love for other people. Because if I just base it on what's right in here, black and white, I have to go. There might have been a couple of times where I shut the door and I had his face. Where I saw a need she had spiritually. Maybe even physically. I had her son in youth group. Paul Swenson, quite a young man, loved the Lord. You know the most fantastic part about my life as a Christian with Ida Swenson? We moved to Birmingham, Alabama in 1996 to come to Springville Road. You know some of the first visitors we had? Ida and John Swenson. They had a camper. And they were staying in that old Kmart parking lot. Y'all know where that is? What's that store over there now? It's that tractor. Tractor. Ooh, I'm trying to like that store. I really like going in there. I don't know much about it, but ooh, I like it. But back then it was Kmart, and they were staying in, in, a, in a little camper they brought. And she called, and she said, Dad, John, I would love to see you and Tracy. You think the Lord wants us as believers to love one another based on what you read? It's not always easy. Yeah, I would encourage you to think through maybe as next week about maybe some believers that, and I'm sure there wouldn't be many, but maybe your heart's been closed. I had a brother recently. This was one of the most incredible stories in my life. I was at a funeral. And I had a brother in Christ who I had not seen in a long time. He came up to me and he said, Thad, I'm sorry. I said, okay. I said, forgiven. I hadn't seen this guy in 15 years, at least. Guys, we have people in our lives that at times are hard to love. And maybe there's things there that need to be corrected. You know what I believe in? I believe the Lord can help us through those times. And I believe he can help to humble us so that our relationships, as much as possible before the Lord, are right. And that we would take seriously what, what Jesus told his disciples in John 13, 34 and 35. The world will know that you are my disciples by what? Your love for one another. So, John says, Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? What's a good question. And maybe if the love is not right in your life, in my life, we need to evaluate where we are in our fellowship with the Lord. Then he says, verse 18, little children, born ones, those who belong to the Lord, let us love, excuse me, let us not love with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. So, he says to them, this is action, right? 
let us not love with word or with tongue. Now, I think we need to understand what John's doing in this context. I don't believe John is condemning kind words. I don't believe he's doing that at all. Why would he do that? The Bible tells us to be kind one to another. What is he saying? He's saying agape love is more than just words. It's more than just words. But it's action. Notice he says, let us not love with word or with tongue. How many times in your Christian life have you said to another brother or sister, I love you? And not meant it. I'm just throwing that out. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you could think about when you were younger, if you had a brother or sister. You know how your mom and dad always wanted you to say, tell your sister you love them. Tell your brother you love them. And you're like, oh boy, let's get this over with. I love you. don't mean a word of it, but right, I'm saying it. You see where I'm going with that? I think we have to be careful that when we do throw out the words that we are willing for there to be action to demonstrate that. And that's what he writes at the end of the verse. Little children, let us, and notice he includes himself in the equation, not love with word or with tongue. That's not just to be the focus. It's not just this, hey, Phil, I love you. Hey, Jerry, I love you. Hey, Kevin Landers, I love you. But it's, hey, Phil Hansen, I love you, and I spring into action to serve that man. Does that make sense? We probably could have skipped today, right? Because we got it all down. But it's a good reminder. Notice what he does say. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but indeed, that's the word. You know, the word literally is in the Greek language action. I like that. It gives me a, a, a picture, a mental picture of, hey, I'm not just sitting on my couch saying, hey, Jerry Peterson, I love you, man. But I'm springing into action. How can I serve that man, Lord? You know, not ever, listen, prayers don't have to be long. Lord, how can I serve? fill in the blank today hey start with one that maybe is easier and then progress but ask the lord to help you in that so he says love in action and truth and truth everything is to be tested with truth right it's to be measured with truth That's what he's saying. Agape love is focused on God and the truth that's given by God. It's not just this haphazard action. But it's based on, hey, what has God said to me about my brother and sister in Christ? What do I need to do? Well, let's just get real practical to demonstrate this. What does the Bible say to husbands about loving their wives? Love your wives as Christ loved the church and what gave himself up for her. The Lord helped me today to demonstrate 
agape love to my wife based on the truth of your word, what you've told me. So, John here, we need to understand this, is not condemning kind words. He's just saying that agape love involves action. I like what J. Dwight Pentecost says. He says, the world knows nothing about this kind of love. When a child of God expresses love in the presence of an unbeliever, he is apt to be misunderstood. Right? Have you ever done that? Where you've expressed agape love in the presence of unbelievers and are like, what are you doing? That can happen. He is apt to be misunderstood. I like what he says here. We have the responsibility to show the love of Christ to one another. We must learn to express our love for one another. And so, I like those two words, must learn, because that's process. That's process. There's a man who coaches college football who loves that word, process. His name is Nick Saban. Well, don't clap for him, but that's his name. But he's always talking about process, right? Process, process. I wonder how many times he said that word in his coaching career. But Pentecost, I like what he says. He said we must learn it. It's learned. Who's going to teach us? The Spirit of God is going to do that. And other people are going to do that. Do you know what this is? It's a church directory. Years ago, when I was pastoring Springville Road Community Church, I had an opportunity to visit Nell Miner on a regular basis. I believe, if I look back, she ministered to me a whole lot more than I ministered to her. Remember, Nell had her leg amputated. She had diabetes really bad and you know what happens to Christians when they get older they come to a point where they feel like eh, what use am I for the Lord You're, you know I don't know if you've run into people like that well, I remember this was after her leg was amputated and I was up visiting with her and um, she said that can we talk for a few minutes I'm like, yes, Miss Nell, we can talk for a few minutes. No one says no to Miss Nell. And so we were talking, and she had asked me to bring the church directory with me. Well, I didn't know why she wanted me to bring the church directory. She said, Dad, can you go through this directory and tell me about all the families? I was like, Yeah. What do you want to know? <laughs> There's lots of things I know about these families. What would you like to know? And so we literally went through the church directory. Dad, tell me about Rachel Dolan. I remember her saying Rachel's name a lot. Tell me about Rachel Dolan. Tell me about Christy Russell. Tell me about Bill White. Tell me about Gina Roberts and Robbie Roberts. and Tell me about all these different people. And so you know what I did? I told her about all of you guys. 
But there was a stipulation to her request. She said that, and I'm summarizing, but she said something to the effect of, I want these people at Springville Road to know I love them. I said, Miss Nail, I believe you're one of those ones that could just say it, and it's good. <laughs> In fact, on a Sunday morning at Springville Road, you, it, when she entered into the building, and she went down front and sat with her husband, James, who hardly ever talked, um, kids were all around her. All around her. If you didn't like Miss Nell, you were the problem. But we went through the directory, and she said, I just want to, I want these folks to know that I love them. And she said, you know how that's going to happen? I was like, no, ma'am, I don't. She said, I'm going to pray for these individuals. So, I don't know if I'd ever told you that. But the Lord brought that illustration to my mind. Because it's like, how do you illustrate agape love in the life of someone who's in the church, who's been a believer for a long, long time, and they're homebound, they can't do a thing? You go, oh, let me talk about their past, right? Not for Nell Minor. Right until the time she went to be with the Lord, she prayed for you guys. When You know, there's sometimes when you run up against people and they say, I'm praying for you, and you're like, yeah, okay. But then when Nell Miner said it, you're like, yep, she is. In fact, one of my greatest times with her, I'll tell you this and we'll close, but I was in her room with her and James. This is when they were living at Kirkwood by the river. And I'd go visit them, and, and we'd talk, and I walked in one day, and I sat down, and Mr. James said, Thad, just sit here. And I said, okay. And he said, now, Nell, let Thad talk for a little bit. And that, I mean, that's just the way it was. And I sat there, and I said, now, tell me about your family. And so she started telling me about her family. And she said, honey, she said, one of my grandsons goes to the university. I said, okay. Thinking, which university? And so I'm sitting there, and I said, well, Miss Nell, which university? She said, well, honey, there's only one. <laughs> she wasn't talking about Auburn, by the way, in case you guys wanted to know. You know, you may be thinking this morning about ways that you can express agape love. I would encourage you to pray about that with the Lord. Have the Spirit of God lead you in that. I put on my notes the final statement. I wrote down, what will the Lord show all of us today as a result of what we heard? Well, this morning, we have the great privilege to announce some new members to Grace. Um, I'm just amazed at how the Lord does that, and um, we just give Him all the glory, give Him all the credit. But um, we have some some new members that we want to bring up front, and um, we want to introduce them and just give them an opportunity to, um, you know, have you guys come up and and just express to them how great it is for them to be a part of our family. 
Um, and so I'm going to call their names, and as they come up, they can just stand up front here, and I'll, I'll have a word of prayer um, shortly after they're all up here. But I wanted to announce them and have them come up. Uh, first is Dorothy Beatty, and Dorothy could not be here today. It was a last-minute thing. A family member was coming in town, and so she wasn't able to make it. But if you, um, if you run into Miss Dottie, you're going to know it. I'll just say that. Okay, so you, you're, if you haven't met her, you will meet her. Um, and then we have the McQueen family, James and Mindy. And James and Mindy, if you could just bring your children up here, that'd be great too, all right? So come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. good-looking family, isn't it? All right. We're thrilled you guys are part of our church family. Glad you get to stand up in front of all these people. And then we have Eric and Pam Ramey and their son, Will Ramey. Sam, you can come up and Stand with him if you'd like to. <laughs> kind of get used to it. It'll be helpful. Huh? We're thrilled that Eric and Pam and Will have decided to join us. And obviously for James and Mindy and their family. And just a blessing uh, to be able to fellowship with these folks. And I would just encourage you after our closing prayer to come up here and just welcome them uh, to the family at Grace. Um, wanted to get you to do something. This is kind of an expression of agape love, kind of. Um, when I after I close in prayer, if you wouldn't mind just stacking your chairs up that you you know just maybe that you're sitting in, just stack four or five of them together. We've got to clean these carpets tomorrow. These carpets are getting clean. Uh, you don't need to worry about the stage. Just leave the stage alone. But the but out here we're having the carpets clean. So if you could just stack them up. And even if you were led to move some of those out in the hallway, moving out toward the <laughs> children's building, I mean, that would be awesome, too. Just amazing how the Lord works all these things out, right? But um, if you guys could help us in that way, that'd be tremendous. Otherwise, um, Amanda and Andrea are going to be really busy tomorrow, right? <laughs> let's uh, bow and let's have a word of prayer again. Our Father, thank you so much that we have your word that teaches us and guides us. We are so, so thankful that, Father, we, um, we don't have to wonder what your will is for us. You, you lay it out in black and white for us. And we need your spirit to accomplish the things that you want for us. And so we're uh, mindful of that. And I pray that we would, you know, think through that, that, that we need your spirit to lead us and guide us in order to demonstrate that agape love to our other brothers and sisters. I want to thank you this morning for uh, James and Mindy and um, for their family and uh, for Eric and for Pam and then for Will. Father, we just are so thankful that you have chosen to bring uh, them to us and then also Miss Dottie who could not be with us today. We just pray that you would help us to continue to demonstrate uh, the love uh, of the Lord Jesus to them. 
And so we just uh, commit our day to you, our week to you. Help us, Father, to be aware of how to demonstrate this love and that you would, as you put people in front of us, that we'd be willing, uh, even maybe some that are more difficult to love, that we'd be willing to say, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, just help me to not be that one who closes the door on them. And so uh, we just uh, commit ourselves to you. And all these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. And make sure you come up here and welcome our new members, all right?